Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. See, that's not the kind of church we are. That was never the DNA of Jesus. Satan would love to get a church thinking about only themselves, focusing only inward. But Jesus said, no, I didn't come just for you. I came for the whole world. Now you guys go outside, reach out, bring the people in, disciple them, get them back to God, and let's turn this world upside down. It couldn't come from disunity. We know that unity is important in a home, workplace, or athletic team. But how crucial is it to the church body? The church should operate like a family, and Satan loves nothing more than breaking up families. Today, Pastor Mark encourages listeners to redirect their ambitions away from themselves. As believers, if we're not prioritizing the needs of others before our own, we're only going to breed disunity. Think of how powerful a unified church could be in our world today. How might you contribute to this selfless endeavor? Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark as he continues with his message entitled, Redirected Ambition. Jesus says, my ambition is to please the Father. Watch my model. You please God. Second thing you want to write this morning. Selfish ambition harms other Christ followers. Selfish ambition in my life harms other Christ followers. Look at verse 24. And when the ten heard about this, they were, say it with me, indignant, say it with a little energy, indignant with the two brothers. Now, how did that work? (laughs) We don't know. Remember, this is a private little teaching of 12. Somehow, James and John's mom gets in there. Mom leaves. And I can see Peter going over because they were really tight, the three of them. What was your mom here for? What was that whispering I heard up there? What were they asking? Uh, there's nothing, no, really, none of your business, it's fine, so, it's okay. What, no, what, what were they asking? What were you asking? So they tell them. And what's the response? Hey, that's cool, you got a chance to be up there first, right? That's nice. No, that's not nice. Remember, selfish ambition leads to what? Divisions and dissensions. So all of a sudden, this unified team is not unified anymore. These 12 now I have the chance to divide into all kinds of factions. If you fly a lot, um, quite often, y- you earn so many miles at an airline, if you fly, if you're loyal to them, they'll put you in their, in their status club, like 
gold medallion or uh, premium executive with United, those kind of things. And what that means is that you can go to an airport, and of course I fly tourists just like the rest of us do, back in economy with the other cattle, you just get in and moo, you know, whatever. But if, if you happen to go in a certain flight and, and you're an executive flyer, they'll sometimes upgrade you to business class in the United States for free if there's empty seats. And it goes by, well, this guy has a platinum and then this one's gold and this one's silver. So quite often I'm the silver guy or whatever, and that's, you're the last on the totem pole. But you go to the airport, for instance, like with Delta, and they'll have a sign up there and he says there's five business seats empty. And uh, they put the name of the people who are in their list. And I, you know, just say I'm number three. So I'm there praising God, man, I'm going to get business class going over to California, whatever, this is going to be really great. And you're a half hour or so from the flight, and you see other people coming in. Well, I've done this enough that you look at them like, I hope you're not a platinum. Because <laughs> if he's a platinum, where does he go? He, he goes ahead of me. And the list changes. So you're praying, you're praying in tongues, and you're just praying for God to, <laughs> to open this stuff right. And, and what happens? I watch, and pretty soon I'm number four. So then I get your prayer rug out, and you're really going for it, man. I mean. And we're 20 minutes into the flight. We, I know then they bonk it off. It's over with. And I look up, and my name isn't on the screen. Garguzo. Now I'm saying, God, I mean, I'm your servant. What's up with that? How come, how, come, how come I fell off the list? Those other guys went ahead of me. And of course, what makes it worse now is you have to get on the plane and always you have to walk through business class. <laughs> and you walk by and you go, God, that was my seat. That, that was my seat, the leather one. You know, the big leather one? And then you keep walking back here with a mood. <laughs> you get in this little claim. You know what I'm talking about. Absolutely. Because see, when I'm out usually in here and God graces me with it, I'm always gracious to those people. (sighs) Stretch out. No, I'm just kidding you. You see, so what happened is, like at that airline, these ten disciples are looking at James and John in in a different light. We're supposed to be a team here. Why did you ask for the right and the left? Now, why did they ask for the right and the left? Was it like, because, well, you know why it was. They're mad because they didn't ask for the right or the left. It wasn't some holy deal. These guys got ahead of them. Look at what James 3.16 says. By the way, if you want to do a great Bible study, just use, go through your computer Bible program and look up selfish ambition. Look what James says. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder, and this is very interesting to me, and every evil practice. Let's bring it away from the airline. Let's bring it away from the disciples. Let's bring it right here in this church. Do you think there could be Selfish ambition in the church and disorder and, and, and jealousy in a church? Do you, do you think there could be jealousy among pastors and elders and spiritual leaders? Do you think spiritual people in a church 
would try to get their own way and sometimes even step over others to get the preferred place? The answer to all those questions is yes. Why? Because we're still a work in progress. Where do church splits come from? In John 12, it's a verse I want to show you. This is where they come from. Yet at the same time, many, even among the leaders, believed in him because, well, but because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. For they love praise from men more than praise from God. You see, we have enough of the old sin nature in me that I'd like you to praise me. And how can you praise me? Well, you can't praise me unless you see me. And you can't praise me unless I'm leading the worship. Or you can't praise me unless I'm singing the solo. But that wouldn't happen in a church, would it? Yes. You see, I've been doing this for many, many, many years. And I've watched split after split after split. Thank God he's protected our church here and in Melbourne and in Vieira. It's been gracious. You know where the split comes from? The split always comes from within. It doesn't come from without. That's why Jesus is very concerned about this issue. And I talk to our pastors on staff very frequently. You can ask them. Check your heart. You jealous in my position? You after my position? You after what God's doing? Careful, jealously will destroy you. You can ask any of the guys. Because see, for many years, I was in the other position. I was on the elder board. I was the guy that covered when the pastor left. So I absolutely know how this works. Jesus knew how it worked. It came from selfish ambition. I do a lot of things here to preclude that happening. I have to watch my own heart. And when I'm gone, I rotate the different guys here. Why? Just for that reason. And I encourage you to be here for all of them. Because it's not about me. It's always about Christ. In the elder board's the same. In your own area of ministry, the kids' ministry, the person at the head, the top, I can do it better. You see, the history of the church is simply this. People argue and fuss and complain over the most minute things you can ever imagine. I remember my mom wanted to paint the parsonage a certain color. It was the parsonage where we lived in. The church provided it. But the leadership of the church voted no. Now, you can't even imagine that. Well, you know what that did to me as a young person? What's up with that? But we've, we're not there, praise God. Hallelujah. Those of you that don't even know what I'm talking about, just be glad. <laughs> praise God, we've moved beyond it. You know, when you drive onto this campus, you won't find a parking sign for any pastor. You know why? Because we want you to know that we're exactly like you are. If I get here early, I get a good parking place. If I get here late, like you, I park out in the back 40. (laughs) Why do we do that? I'm not trying to promote myself. I'm trying to show you that we try to set the example so that God will protect us in this church. And we won't have divisions from within. People jealousy. See, these are principles that are very important. By the way, this works in your marriage. You see, in your marriage, if a husband 
is honoring God in every decision. And the wife is honoring God in every decision. Listen to my words. Watch my lips. There will never be a divorce in that marriage. Why? Because God's honored. That means I'm going to have to submit my will to God. It's a beautiful thing. And admit that my wife was right. I didn't tell her to watch the glasses. <laughs> Did you get it? You see, sometimes, sometimes we got, it's so spiritual. Well, not really. I mean, it's not too spiritual when you have these. But that's exactly the way the enemy works. He looks for a way to get... Listen to, listen to this. Satan loves to divide, but God loves to unite. And we're united here. We have a goal. We're working toward the same thing. There are no special people here. We already, made, we already deal with Vera, don't laugh. You're not special either. We're all a work in, tell me, in progress. Every single one of us. That won't change till we get to heaven. Well, as you see what's going on here, Paul makes a statement. I want to read it really quickly. Look what he says in Romans 15. I, I saw this and I had to put a wow behind it. Wow isn't in the Bible. That's my wow. Watch what he says. My ambition has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard, rather than where a church has already been started by someone else. Oh, God help us. If the world, the Christian world would get that, we wouldn't have this stuff. Paul says, I'm not trying to go on somebody else's radar. I'm not trying to steal sheep from somebody else. I just want to go where the the gospel's never been heard and preach the word of God. Remember Paul said in Corinthians, I didn't baptize a bunch of people. By the way, another thing for you to know, I don't baptize people in the water. Why? Because I'm too good. I'm not going to get in the water and get wet. Some of you are like, really? No, I don't do it because... Quite often people want me to baptize them, like I'm special. When I get 6'11", I'd be special. 5'7", I'm not special. So I just don't. I give that to the elders and the pastors. In the old days, I love to do that, but I don't do that. Why? Because I don't want to draw attention to myself. Because I know me. I can be just as prideful as you. And if I am, God's anointing from this church is gone. He'll move somebody else here. Because he will never take second place. Not in your life, not in my life. Here's the statement you want to write. When we're operating with godly ambition, hallelujah, unity flows, and God blesses. Now, we have, to, we have to work at it, because in every area of ministry here, from the elders to the pastors to every area of ministry, we've got to fight this ungodly ambition to promote myself, my ideas. I'm, I'm more spiritual. I talked with somebody recently. There was an individual in their church. And the individual said this, I'm more spiritual than the pastor. Well, that's a great statement to work on, isn't it? Well, that person's in leadership. Wouldn't be in leadership in this church. Because that's prideful, that's sinful, that's division. Well, Jesus is going to give them the answer. Look at verse 25. And Jesus called them together. And he said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. In Vieira and Melbourne, say that with me. Not so with you. What does that mean? We can't be like the world. We don't operate the kingdom of God like the kingdom of the world. And he says this, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your servant. Slave. 
This is very important. Jesus doesn't give up on his disciples. There's been wrong ambition. Now there's division. There's fighting. He knows that God has a great goal for these 12. Jesus doesn't say, God, give me another 12. He doesn't give up on them. He doesn't stifle their ambition. Watch me. He redirects it. He says, your ambition's been for you, how special you are, how good you think you are among the the elders or the apostles or the disciples or the pastors. He said, no, it's never about you, how good God is. So he redirects them. He doesn't give up on them. Aren't you glad that God doesn't give up on us? Man, I'm so glad that God didn't give up on me. Well, why doesn't he give up on them? Well, the world system says promote self, get to the top, be number one. God says, no, 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 no. Greatness is shown by a servant lifestyle. Now, here's why he doesn't give up on them. Watch this. These 12 are going to do what? Actually, 11, because one's going to be that betrayer. What are these 11 going to do? They're the foundation of the church. In a few weeks, 50 days, they're the foundation of the church. Jesus is gone. Where are they now? Wrong ambition. I want to be right. I want to be left. Why did, why did you ask him? Division. Jesus, boys, you got to learn this lesson right now. Because the minute we start this church, it can't be about you. It can't be who's primary, who's, in the, who's on first, who's on second, who's on third. We got to be in unison. And remember, listen to this. In the upper room, they were all in the upper room in what? In one accord. It's not a car, it's unison. (laughs) And I thought of this during the first service. Right after the church got started, Peter and John healed a man that had been crippled all his life. And the crowd came in around and went, wow, let's lift Peter and John higher. Peter said, you looking at as if we did something? No, Jesus is the one that healed this man. See, that's a lesson they learned from this. They got it. We have to get it. He wasn't setting them aside. He says, I want to redirect you because the future of Christendom depends on you, 11, getting it right. It still depends on us this morning to do it right. It's so crucial. Much of the world isn't getting it right, but we can because we have a great teacher. Then he says in verse 28, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus says, here's my two ambitions. Number one, I've been with you for three years. I tried to show you that I'm a servant. I didn't ask you to serve me. I'm serving God. In fact, you know, the night before he's betrayed, he he washes their feet, another perfect example. And then second, Jesus says, I came to provide a ransom. What's a ransom? A ransom is simply paying off a spiritual debt. He said, I did that. My two goals, model servanthood and provide for a a sinful man to get back to God. That was all it was. See, it was the spiritual DNA of Jesus going in to these 11 disciples. What was that spiritual DNA? Listen, number one, always honor God by serving him. And number two, make sure that we're showing people how to get 
related to God. That's what the church is about. Just those two things. And there's a lot of others as we go through it. But simply, number one, in everything I do, I don't promote myself or promote God. I want his will. And second, his will is that none perish. So it's always going to flow. I'm always going to be involved with new believers, unbelievers, seekers, growing people. That's what the disciples did. That's the DNA of Jesus. So number three, write this. Selfish ambition harms unbelievers. What do I mean by that? Well, Jesus knew if he doesn't get this corrected, then this foundation that starts with these 11 disciples is faulty. It's faulty. And they're going to be fighting with each other rather than the commandment he said to go to all the world and make disciples. Here's a statement you want to write. The greatest form of selfishness is to go to heaven alone. See, that's not the kind of church we are. That was never the DNA of Jesus. Satan would love to get a church thinking about only themselves, focusing only inward. But Jesus said, no, I didn't come just for you. I came for the whole world. Now you guys go outside, reach out, bring the people in, disciple them, get them back to God, and let's turn this world upside down. It couldn't come from disunity. They had to be on the same page. The reason God continues to bless this church and Vieira and all the other things that he'll do through this church is because we have been in unity. Oh, we can argue and disagree about other minor stuff and all that jazz. We all do that. Elders do it, pastors do it, we all do that. But when we leave a room, God's, he is the key. We just submit to him. And because of that, beautiful things happen. Here's number four. Godly ambition does two things. Vieira, watch it. Godly ambition produces satisfaction in me and frees people from the slavery of sin. You see, if I'll have the ambition to serve God first, to lift him up, to honor him, it produces a great satisfaction in me. Why? Because I'm doing what I was created to do. I wasn't here to create worship me. I'm here to worship God. Well, look at verse 28, the last part, and Jesus said, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Remember ransom? Deliverance, liberation, freedom. What did Jesus know? Every person born is a slave to sin. If you're here this morning, you were born with a sin nature. Remember? It rules. You can't change it. Only God can change it. He makes all things new. You can try the best you can. You can be the the absolute best person you can be. You can be religious. It will not change it. So Jesus came because he knew people couldn't break free from sin. And he came to give his life as a ransom. He paid the price on the cross. Godly ambition produces satisfaction in me and frees people from the slavery of sin. Today, Pastor Mark taught us the value in promoting and serving God as opposed to ourselves. This is especially important in how it relates to other people. Unbelievers are always watching to see what's different about Christians. Why not make following Jesus so attractive by the way you serve others and unify the body of Christ? Maybe you're listening right now and God has placed a certain person on your heart that needs to hear this message. Or maybe you'd like to share it with all of your friends. 
There's a simple way to share this message. Log on to Lessons for Living Radio and click on the radio program option in the main menu. There, you'll find the Lessons for Living media player. In the Messages tab, simply click on today's date. Then you can share today's message directly on your Facebook page, Twitter feed, or send a link via email. You can even embed today's message directly. Again, to share today's message with friends and family members, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Click on the radio program button, then simply click on today's date. You'll find all the options to share. Do you desire for Jesus to open your eyes in a specific area of your life? In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will lead listeners in a plea to God to open our eyes. It is time for the body of Christ, the church, to see the need for revival, to stand up to the ways of the wicked one and reach out to those in need. There is no greater way to bring God glory than to be a light for him to a lost and dying world. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the book of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living. See